0: Oh my god, you're like listening to G'day World with Cameron Riley on the Podcast Network. Whatever. G'day world, you're listening to Cameron Riley on the Podcast Network, and my guest today is world-renowned Australian comic book artist Ben Templesmith.
1: of drug addict parents who died horribly in a car accident, uh, burned to death, and uh, that I was brought up in an orphanage, you know, and abused and stuff. Because that's what people assume, because when they see my artwork, they think I'm disturbed or something. But uh, the honest truth is I had a perfectly fine upbringing and uh, no problems whatsoever. So I am completely boring.
0: (laughs) Well, despite uh, Ben's claims, uh, anyone who's familiar with his artwork would know that he's absolutely not Boring when it comes to the the graphic novels and the comics that he produces. Uh, Ben is probably best known, I guess, for his work on the comic that he co-created, 30 Days of Night, which was turned into a very, very scary film. It's it's a vampire comic and was turned into a very scary, of course, vampire film. He's also very well known uh, for his collaboration with Warren Ellis on the comic book series Fell. And of course he's done other things including Hellspawn and uh, Wormwood, Singularity 7, he's currently working on a Doctor Who comic and uh, he's just released a book on the Presidents of the United States where he's done portraits basically in his own inimitable style of Presidents of the United States, all 42 or 43 of them. So uh, I invited Ben on to have a bit of a chat about how a boy from Western Australia goes to Curtin University ends up one of the most famous comic book artists in the world. So we started off the conversation and I mentioned that uh, I'd asked people on Twitter if they had any questions for Ben and if you heard me typing away in the background, I was probably just getting those questions and wasn't uh, checking email or something. And uh, that led to an interesting discussion about uh, one of his great ambitions.
1: One right. thing I've wanted to do is, is a conversation in a, in, a, in a men's bathroom at some point. I thought that would be the height of rudeness.
0: Well, you know what? One of the questions that somebody's already asked on Twitter is um, what you f- how you feel about some of your dead space art being displayed above some urinals by EA at the uh, Sci-Fi London last year. So it's almost being interviewed in a, in a bathroom. You've had your artwork displayed in a bathroom. It's just, you know, you've got to go the next step.
1: Well, I did not know they had done that, but uh, I guess that's cool. Cause, I mean, my artwork is never far from uh, from such subjects. So, <laughs> I think it's rather apt. Oh, I think really? it works.
0: Okay. So, um, okay, let me let me start by getting some background on the the Ben Temple Smith story for for people who aren't familiar with you. Uh, grew up in. Oh, w- there is no story. There's a, there's always a story, and and we're gonna we're gonna actually uncover the story. That's my that's my goal today. You grew up in okay. W. grew up in WA. Um, I did, and went to Curtin. I did. H- how do you go from that to being a world famous comic book artist? What, what, what's the What's the story from WA to world famous comic book artist?
1: I think you bribe and uh, fake a lot of things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm a complete fraud. I don't know.
0: Sexual favors in um, bathrooms—is that why the men's bathrooms are such a uh, big thing
1: for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, it's just the usual case of things snowball, I guess. And I wouldn't say I was—I well, guess technically, I'm more famous to the people that actually know that sort of stuff. But it's not like you know—I don't. Cons- you're only famous if you can actually uh, get a free meal in a restaurant just by walking in, and they know who you are, <laughs>
0: right?
1: Okay. And, they, and they've never met you before. <laughs> put it that way. That's right. my definition of fame. Okay. So,
0: well, that's that's the thing. I don't, I don't get Yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I was basically um, an impoverished student at university, and uh, kept doing artwork because I loved comic books, and I kept trying to, you know, do samples and sending them off to publishers. And uh, I kept doing that, and uh, graduated uh, university, uh, did like freelance illustration for a few years or two years, and uh, kept trying to break in, just doing and doing small jobs. I actually designed some club, um, some Boy Scout badges and apparently a compelling range of children's school stickers with dinosaurs on them. But um, I was—I kept trying to break into comics, and I eventually got a, a lucky break uh, because another Australian, the only other Australian I think at that time who was working in American comics, was leaving a comic book, and there was some pages left to to be done on that book, and my art looked similar. So uh, through the magic of the internet, some people saw my artwork and said, how about you, you do that? And uh, I ended up Doing that comic book regularly, and so this was this was
0: this was Ashley Wood on Hellspawn.
1: That was Ashley Wood on Hellspawn. He was also from Perth and also went to Curtin, but did not graduate. And I actually saw saw it through and actually have a design degree now. so <laughs> All he, the good ones drop out though. So. As
0: as I understand it, he was a bit of a inspiration and mentor for you as artist.
1: Oh, you've done some research.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, yeah, because he was, I guess he was a role model in a, in a sense. I mean, some other people had already, Australians already worked in, like, we call it the American comic book industry, but ultimately it's really international now because you have people from many, many countries working yeah, for the American comic book market. It's still Americans that read it predominantly, but it's the rest of the West as well. Um, but Ash was the one that had done it from Perth, and he was sort of in my age, sort of in my age group and in the comics I was reading. So I saw that he could do it. And just when the internet was kicking off, so using that new medium, I realized, you know, it didn't really matter where you lived and it, it could be done. So I kept trying when I otherwise probably would have given up. So, um, yeah, I owe him a lot. So, you yeah, we're friends. With, you know, we used to share a, share a studio since then. So, you know, we've been around. But uh, he's still the big, he's the talented guy from Perth, not me.
0: So, when you knew he was leaving Hellspawn, you were you were submitting your artwork, uh, how does that happen? You Do just, you just draw stuff and submit it to uh, publishers around the world?
1: Oh, well, I, no, I just, I got, I did the classic thing where I got my um, a website with my name and, uh, you know, a gallery and sort of, you know, professional, because you know, I was, even at the time, I was a freelance illustrator, so you've got to show your wares and drum up work. But I also hovered around a lot of message boards on the internet for comics because comics have a lively networking sort of scene for people who aspire to do such things. And um, uh, an art director for the Todd McFarlane Productions, which was the company, um, saw my work online because I'd posted some and uh, followed me up. And I said, yes, I'll do some. But that's have, not the big story about I actually have a career. That's just how I broke in.
0: So. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's part of it, right, breaking in. How old were you at the time?
1: Oh, I, I must have been probably 23 or 24, I think.
0: And and uh, you ended up uh, working with, I think, Steve Niles on Hellspawn. He was uh, riding... Yeah, he were, was the
1: writer at the time.
0: Yeah. yeah. And of course, after your run on Hellspawn, you guys went off and did uh, Thirty Days of Night, which you're probably
1: no, well, no, 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 no. Oh, there, there's my research. No, I was doing both at the same time, my friend.
0: Well, I know you you, would, you kept doing Hellspawn, but I, I believe actually, it was
1: sort of. We actually of, had a long, we had a long approval time waiting. Yeah. Hellspawn for a while, so we were left sitting around doing nothing for a while. So we figured we'd do another comic in the in the in the space between, and that was Thirty Days a Night. So.
0: Which, that was good. which, I guess, in, in terms of uh, you know, comics which have been turned into Hollywood film properties, I mean, it, it's one of the, you know, from an outsider's perspective, one of the better stories. I mean, that when I saw the film, it was uh, you know, probably one of the scariest and most believable vampire movies I can remember seeing. Were you happy with the, the way that the visual art turned out in the film?
1: Oh, visually, yes, because I mean, that was, I was only the artist on that book, although I did actually create quite a few of the vampire characters specifically, which ultimately made it in the film, which I was really happy about. But uh, visually, it was really sort of in touch with the art, which was basically thanks to the director, David Slade, who uh, turned out to be a fan of my work um, and picked up the book long before he was in um, the running to be a director on the film. So they sort of picked the right guy for that. So, But uh, some people quibble about the story, but... So far, no one said that the, the look of the film sucked. So, I think it's in it's in the rare range of... Uh, there's only a few comic book movies. When you say comic book movies, I include things like... Uh, um, was it Road to Perdition, History of Violence, The Crow, things like that. But uh, I think only something like 300, Sin City, which were both Frank Miller films, and... Um, uh, no... They've actually taken the visual style from the comic a little bit, at least in 30 days, and um, sort of put it on screen as well. So I thought that was, that was pretty cool. But there's been a lot of um, comic book movies though, So
0: Well, they have, but most comic book movies... I mean, you, you mentioned a couple of ones there that I think have, have worked well in translation in recent years. Uh, you know, it, 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 sort of, it seemed to start, I think, when Roberto Rodriguez decided to do Frank Miller's Sin City and, and remain very true to the, the visual style of the book. And since then, you know, we've had um, 300, as you mentioned, another Frank Miller film. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, honestly, a lot of comic books that, that end up being made into Hollywood films kind of suck. Um, you know,
1: Batman... Well, they do, but that's half the time that's because the comics suck as well. <laughs> well, there, there's, there's no hard and fast rule that just something from a comic should be good or should be bad.
0: So, yeah.
1: they all depend- the comics are really diverse too. So, I mean, it's just like books, if you adapt books to films. So, some can suck and some can be really good, so...
0: Yeah. Well, personally, I thought 30 Days of Night was uh, bloody scary. Uh, obviously, the book, but but also the film. I thought they did a great job. And Well, thank you. Uh, D- David Slade, obviously, a terrific director. I mean, before 30 Days of Night, he'd, he'd only done one film, I think, which was Hard Candy with Ellen Page, which was a brilliant yeah. film, absolutely brilliant film.
1: Yeah, he um, really believed in that film, and he basically funded that on his credit cards at the time. So I think um, he ended up basically paying them off by doing 30 days a night. So. And he's on to um, some more substantial film work too now. So.
0: Great. Well, you, 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 lucked, you lucked out by getting a, uh, you know, a good director who, who can tell a good story. So oh, yeah. let, let's, let's get back to comics. Um, you know, I read comics as a kid, I think, because I had a pretty bad home life and I was trying to escape from it. Uh, well, tell us about your childhood. Did you have a, a happy home life? Were you reading comics as a kid?
1: Um, when I do public speaking, I often tell people that uh, I was the, the product of a of drug addict parents who died horribly in a car accident, uh, burned to death, and uh, that I was brought up in an orphanage, you know, and abused and stuff. Because that's what people assume. Because when they see my artwork, they think I'm disturbed or something. But uh, the honest truth is, I had a perfectly fine upbringing and uh, no problems whatsoever. So I am completely boring. And I you, completely boring. My mother we, and father and well I've,
0: Yeah, so nice, nice happy household. Were you uh, into comics as a kid?
1: Oh, yeah. They're just like adolescent power fantasy and uh, escapist fun. So, but, um, yeah, um, I I live by the creed that the people who draw Mickey Mouse and the cutesy things are the people you worry about and the people that you don't want to be in a dark alley with because they (laughs) internalise all their stuff. Me, I draw horror comics and I get it all out on the page anyway. (laughs) People think I'm disturbed, but honestly, I think it's just funny.
0: Sorry. Well, I mean, I only got back into comics probably about five years ago. I'm in my late 30s, and my kids are about eight now. And when, you know, I waited till my sons, I got twin boys, I waited till they were about three, and I thought, you know what, I can legitimately walk into a comic store now and pretend that I'm Mm -hmm. buying stuff for my kids. But, I, you know, I think I would still be slightly embarrassed to be seen on a plane uh, reading a comic, where, where do you think comics are at in terms of respectability as an adult medium?
1: Well, honestly, it depends what you're reading, first and foremost. But um, um, the, year of, the age of the geek has been around us for a few years now, I guess. And, uh, you know, I mean, we elect our leaders based on being geeks now. I mean, Kevin Rudd's definitely a geek. John Howard was considered a geek. Uh, Obama is a... It, they've made a huge amount of noise in the press here about Obama being a Spider-Man fan. And uh, you know he's sort of seen as a superhero parody thing. There's been pictures done like pulling his shirt off with you know a, an, an O instead of a Superman's S sort of on it. He's um you know superhero superheroes are cool for any you know, for for a long time anyway. They make a lot of money as as movies now. But I don't know comics are gaining more respect just because they're getting out into the the public a bit more. I'd like to think their sales are increasing too by the general audience, but probably not as much as they should. But but they're getting out there in other mediums too, which is always healthy.
0: So. I had a chat uh, to Eddie Campbell about a year ago who uh,
1: lives in oh Brisbane. Oh, my God, that man owes me a parking phone.
0: <laughs> Did you know he lives in <laughs> Brisbane now?
1: Yeah, I know, but he, he visited me in Perth and uh, we stayed at the bar for far too long listening <laughs> to his stories. And uh, I got a park. It was on Good Friday and no one else was in the car park and I got a parking phone. <laughs> oh, that's so wrong. I can, I can, he owes me, man. Eddie, if you're out there, you owe me.
0: Well, when I was chatting to him about a year ago, he sounded, uh, you know, fairly uh, cynical about the state of the comics industry and, um, you know, didn't, didn't really see that it, that it was uh, going down a direction that I think he was happy with by the sounds of it at the time. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, if you want to get... I mean, I, I know some business works as well and it's a completely idiotic business model and I, I'm completely cynical about various aspects of it as well. Um, I'm not a superhero comic guy either, so I'm a like more of a small press, sort of independent creator, creator-owned sort of property sort of guy. So I come up with my own stories rather than work on you know Batman and Superman, which is sort of what Eddie does too. So it's a tougher road to travel like, by all means, but I don't know. I'm probably not as cynical as Eddie, but Eddie's done a lot more than me.
0: So he's been around a lot longer. Um, yeah, but the the small stuff that you do is that. Do you think that gives you uh, more artistic? License is—is is that what interests you, or is it the stories that you're telling?
1: Um, well, I'm, I have virtually no editorial um, control. I do what I want, um, and luckily enough, enough people buy my work um, to make enough money to keep me doing it. So, uh, I think it's probably one of the probably the only medium left that you can actually have such such interaction between you know the storyteller, the creator, and the audience. In that respect because most things usually have, like, manage, you know, publishing houses have lots of editors and you know, various manuscripts, and then movies have help, you know, so many people, and so does TV. So, you know, you're getting me unfiltered, and I guess I'm lucky enough that I sell enough, and, um, yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way, really. I'd prefer that to working on Superman or Spider-Man, who might sell ten times as many copies, but if I can sell enough to make it work and keep that, that micro-niche going, then I'm happy to just keep doing that. I guess no, that was probably not even though at all, was it? So.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I guess for 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 a lot of artists, um, you know, you would imagine that the dream for any artist is to be able to do your art the way you want to do it and make enough money to keep doing it, right? That's that's got to be success, the definition of success.
1: Well, well, the money is because you have to live, but I think it's more about just gaining an audience and uh, having your work appreciated, and. I, don't know, I, I made the swap to doing a, a certain other comic book more recently called Wormwood Gentleman Corpse where I tried to be a bit more humor horror so for me it's like realizing that I could apparently make people laugh at, at stupid immature jokes meant for mature people um, that was sort of what really sort of started to drive me so I really like making people laugh so and be entertained of course so so yeah I get a kick out of it and I wouldn't have it any other way
0: What, what do your parents think of uh, your career choice as a comic book artist slash writer?
1: Well well, they don't think I have a real job still. But um, <laughs> as long as I'm paying my rent, they assume I must be earning some sort of half-decent money. So, you know, I've, yeah, they're, they're at peace with it. They've, they've actually just recently seen the, the film, um, 30 Days After the Comics. They actually sat through it and said, oh, that was very nice, Ben." <laughs> so I think I've eventually, it's dawned on them that I've, I've had some sort of a career for the last six years now, I think. I think six.
0: They're not still waiting for you to come home and uh, you know, get a real job, no. become a
1: doctor? No, they never put pressure on me. To, they always only put pressure on me to do what I wanted to do, so long as you know, I could earn a living at it. So they made sure I got, a, got an education and uh, I had a fallback option. But you know, they were always very happy and supportive of me trying to do what I wanted to do. So I can't fault them for that. It's just that, well, put it this way, there's none of my artwork hanging up in their house currently, and there probably never will be because they don't really like the horror stuff so much. And, but and that all,
0: doesn't mean much. Even when you do stuff that isn't, you know, horror specifically, like the, your, your work with uh, Warren Ellis Fell, which uh, I've had a number of people mm-hmm. ask when the hell issue 10 is coming out, but I told them all that Warren said on Twitter last week it's coming or something to that
1: effect. So I, do, so I don't need to answer that question,
0: do I? No. Well, you might be able to tell us, like, where is it at? Are you waiting on Warren? Is the artwork done? You know, where, 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 how close is it to actually hitting the shelves?
1: I'm pretty much pretty much always waiting on Warren. Um, I actually have three pages of script that I've had for quite a while now that I've, I've almost finished, but I, there's no point necessarily hurrying on them because I've still I still need another, you know, more than half a comic to to finish the comic, and I haven't got a script for that, so it'll it'll just happen whenever Warren sends me. Uh, I know he's a very busy guy, and yeah. uh, he has a particular way of working. So I'm not going to push him, and because uh, <laughs> he would probably verbally assassinate me if I did.
0: Yeah, so, not not just it, verbally. It, he's a scary man.
1: Yeah, it's going to continue at some point. It's just a question of time.
0: So. And my my point anyway was going to be even even your artwork, obviously with Phil, uh, which obviously isn't isn't a horror story. At least as far as we can tell yet, it's more of a I don't know a yeah. detective. Well, to, yeah,
1: it has dark so, tones yeah. to it. Yes, it it's, it, a very dark, it's very dark. And that's all I really do, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, the same, same with well, uh, Singularity 7. I mean, it's, it's a very dark, moody kind of... All of your artwork's very atmospheric.
1: Thank you very much for mentioning that book. I consider that one a learning experience, but uh, it was the, that was the first thing I ever wrote as well as Drew. So I was sort of getting lost in it after a while. But um, since then, I think I've found my, uh, my way a bit more. But uh, yeah, everything I do has a sort of a dark tint to it. And it's, I try to go for atmosphere more than um, clarity sometimes, sometimes to my detriment. But
0: Well, you but know, yeah. I, I actually enjoyed Singularity 7, and I, I've been uh, complaining ever since I got back into reading comics again that there, there wasn't enough out there on the shelves that was sort of this near-term sci-fi, you know, William Gibson-esque stuff, which I would think would uh, suit the world of comics very well. You can explore these sorts of stories in an, in an amazing way with comics, but it doesn't seem to be a big genre out there, and I was I was excited to see you, uh, you know, take a
1: crack at it. Well, I did take a crack. I hope I didn't bite off more than I can chew. I mean, you said you enjoyed it, so I hey, do. I did my job. <laughs> <laughs> now let's... But uh, I thought... I thought it was, it was, I wasn't doing it enough justice probably by the end. So it was a much bigger concept than, of course, science fiction. You know, getting the science right is half the battle sometimes. Warren, that's why Warren can do a much better job of that than me. And he, he excels in that, really.
0: He does. Yeah, he excels at, at, at pulling all of those sorts of... you know And, and, and excels, I guess, at pu- pulling big ideas and putting them into the world of comics. I mean, he's well known for you know, having a very heavy dose of geopolitics and uh, near-term sci-fi in his work. Yeah. Um, So let's get on to your President's book that I believe has just come out or is just in the process of coming out. Whereabouts is it? Can people order it yet if they go Uh, to the comic book stores?
1: It came out in America last week, which means it'll probably come out in Perth next year. Uh, Yeah. It takes a long time to ship to to Perth. It does. It goes by Singapore and then Sydney, apparently. Yeah, yeah. On, um, On the back of pigeons, yeah yeah it should have been out last week in, in Australia too I think so but, tell us
0: tell us a little bit uh, about uh, the president's book I mean why what is it and and why the hell man
1: Well, I like history, and uh, America has some relatively interesting history. I always thought Australian history was a tad boring in a sense that you know we didn't have a big revolution in country or anything, and we didn't have a civil war we really haven't done too much the so Eureka, Eureka stockade is is kind of our our high point of drama so um i figured i looked into some. i was watching a documentary on some presidents and oh they're actually really interesting i never heard of those guys before so i figured i could i could do a book with a quick write-up on each one and hopefully maybe expose a a few other people to a few of the more unknown ones rather than just the the usual suspects so um um i just mentioned the idea to the boss of idw who the, the publisher i'm actually in the offices of right now and um They said, "Yeah, if you want to do it, go for it." So, it went from there. They let me do whatever I want usually. So, so with a picture book, forty-three presidents.
0: Do you have like? Did you do pictures of JFK? You know, slamming it into Marilyn Monroe, Harry Truman dropping bombs on Hiroshima, that kind of history, or is it uh, you know
1: Um, cleaned up? There's a little bit of that in the text but only, only factual, less opinionated stuff. I mean, if they did something of importance during their term, then it's on the write-up on one side of the page, and then on the other side is like a portrait, but it's got like lots of little illustrations of things to do with your presidency around each one. Some is tough because they only lasted a few months. But, um, yeah, it's just sort of a, a portrait picture book with some intellectual guts to it, but not enough to hopefully turn people off too much. I just I know it's sort of a, an easy way to get people enthused about other friends.
0: It just seemed like an interesting uh, career choice, you know, coming out of you know doing the, the stuff that we we know you best for over the last six or seven years. Uh, you know, out, out of all of the things that you could have chosen, I'm still fascinated why w- what appears to be from the stuff I've seen on your blog, you know, f- beautiful but mm-hmm. fairly straight portraiture.
1: Well, Is it
0: something you'd because- like to do more of? Portraits.
1: Uh, not right now. I'm a bit bored after 43. (laughs) Well, well, 44 technically, but 43 really, um, because one served two non-consecutive terms. But um, uh, no, American presidents, you have to treat them vaguely respectfully because Americans tend to have much more of a reverence for their leaders rather than, say, Australians who uh, like to burn their refugees in the streets when they don't like them. If I think you did that in America, you'd probably be arrested for uh, basically, you know, Yeah, you're not allowed to say things about presidents here that that may get you in trouble with men in suits. Uh, It's potentially life-threatening because they have a habit of shooting presidents here too. So um, does that make any sense? (laughs) 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 But some people did expect me to put put, uh, tentacles around certain presidents and and do strange things that I do in my other work, but uh, I wanted to be a so Because, honestly, half the time history is, is more interesting than things that Hollywood and people make up. And I wish they would actually just look at history more often. So I'm a big fan of history and politics. So I like to know where, why things happened and where things came from. So that's why I did
0: it. I, I've been, The last couple of years I've been doing a podcast series on Napoleon Bonaparte because I'm a I'm a Napoleonic uh, oh, great. buff. And there's one of uh, our... I'm
1: a Napoleonic war buff too.
0: Are you really? Well, there you go.
1: We should. Well, I like it. I don't claim huge knowledge, but I do like it.
0: So. We should get you on the show. We're doing actually the the, we finished the linear series where we told his story, which took us like a couple of years, and now we're doing a series where we're getting politicians and business people, and I would love to see artists come on that have been somehow inspired or you know interested in the Napoleonic story to talk about it. But there's a guy.
1: complete Completely. Complete
0: loser, Marshall Ney. Marshall Ney. Hey, he was the bravest of the brave that, for a while. Then no,
1: that Waterloo charge, <laughs> he screwed
0: it up. <laughs> he did screw up Waterloo. Yeah, but you know the retreat from Moscow. That's 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 what he's, We love him for. But anyway, the, the reason I mention it is one of the listeners to the show has started uh, a manga style comic book series um, as a result of the show, telling Napoleon in comic book form the Napoleon story. And and you know I I thought at the time. Very I know it's not you know, uh, completely original to, to tell historic stories in comic book form. Obviously, Frank Miller did that memorably with 300. but um, Well, know,
1: loosely, loosely.
0: Loosely, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there was some artistic license in that book.
0: No, you, you Especially the uh,
1: fact that you had you know, authoritarian Spartans fighting for apparently Athenian freedom, although they kind of did, but yeah, they weren't the, fighting to preserve that.
0: And then in the film version, we, we had uh, a Scottish um, Spartan king. Leonidas.
1: Well, we that's Miss Money Penny.
0: Um, <laughs> but you know the the whole telling of history, which is where I was kind of going with this, telling history, particularly for you know a younger generation through visual uh, medium like comics. I think is a tremendous thing. Mm-hmm. Is it something you'd like to do more oh. of, historic stuff?
1: Oh yeah, um, I have plans, long, long, long term plans to tell many like good stories from history if I can. One thing I kind of would like to do, but I don't know if I'd have it in me, is a, is a sort of a, a tale biography sort of thing of um, Genghis Khan or Temujin. Ooh. Mostly because I got so annoyed at the half uh in the movie Mongol recently, which was kind of weird and didn't really explain much. So his life is very, very interesting.
0: I remember, I remember hearing a gen- geneticist talking I think at TED or something a couple of years ago saying that they believe that something like two-thirds of the population of Asia um, are the descendants of Genghis Khan.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've all got a bit of him in them because, yeah, that's the way he worked. <laughs> you conquered the largest land empire and you get a wife for each nation and you conquer, so hey, you know. You spread it around a little.
0: He, and he had something like, I don't know, a thousand kids or something like that in his lifetime. Mm. He was a busy man, busy man. Mm.
1: But uh, people, people ignore the fact that it wasn't just that, it, because many people have done that in history and done that a lot. But it was the fact that his family went on to successively rule various parts of Asia and continued the line because of that. Right. So he had a lot of offspring who had a lot of offspring. They didn't all die in a coup or something, yeah. which happens a lot in uh, things like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, they, they, were, they were very successful rulers. Um, I want to talk about uh, your sort of um, Groom Lake, uh, which I haven't been able to get much information from from your blog. I know that that's uh, coming out soon as well. Um, can you, what can you tell us yeah, about Yeah, we haven't really
1: Lake? shown much yet.
0: Yeah. What can you tell us about it?
1: Um, it's about aliens.
0: Yeah, I'll gather that <laughs> And from giant
1: robots. <laughs> giant right. sort of 50s sort of robot things. Sort of, sort of every sort of thing in the 50s that was like is pop culture and alien in nature. So even you know, from sci-fi movies to Alien, Greys, and Robo all type of stuff. Um, sort of all rolled into one with a coherent story and a lot of kind of sick humour. Um, it's written by a guy called Chris Ryle, who's actually the editor in chief as well of IDW, um, and him and me sort of share similar sensibilities, so I always wanted to work with him. So he came up with, with a story called Grim Lake, which is a four-issue miniseries, which I'm currently working on. I you know. Hey. Someone sat in front of me. And, um, you yeah, it should be a fun little little book.
0: No, it looks interesting, but you can't tell us any more about that than that. OK. Well. You're being
1: dodgy. Not too much. I mean, it, it involves a guy, and he goes to, you know, a secret government sort of... Um, Complex because his father's something's happened to his father because of the aliens, and uh, we we meet some characters, and one of them is a an alien grey who's been on Earth for a while. I think his name's Archie, and he likes to smoke cigarettes. I think he likes our stream too, and oh, uh, I mean, there's a there's a basic save the world sort of story in there. Well, maybe maybe they maybe they don't care about saving the world, but uh, half the half the the thing is that is the journey rather than the ultimate destination in these things. So. Yeah, I mean, we're going to release some um, actual finished artwork for it soon. So I've only put up a of covers so far. So, And, you've, tease people.
0: and you've been uh, drawing a bit of David Tennant?
1: Uh, I did, in fact, um, just finished doing a, a one-shot, so just a 22-page single-story um, comic of David and, well, the Doctor and, uh, and Martha Jones. Um, and it was written by... Um, uh, Leah Moore and John Repian and Leah Moore is of course the, the daughter of Alan Moore So, um, and it was a really good little story I thought, I thought it would uh, make a good sort of TV episode it's all about emotions and, a, and well the lack of them and, and pictures in a, a big gallery so I think that comes out late this month or early this month
0: Are you a Doctor Who fan?
1: Um, that's why I did the book yeah, but I'm probably not a fan to keep doing more Doctor Who cuz doing Lyingness just kills me. But uh, no, I'm a big fan of Doctor Who. So.
0: And do you, you like David Tennant as uh, the doctor? He seems to be uh, as as loved, I guess as Tom Baker, I think uh, most people seem to think he was he's probably captured the doctor pretty well.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, him and Tom Baker are pretty much my favorites. I think Tom Baker still wins because he had the uh, dialogue written by Douglas Adams. Did he really? I didn't some realize of the that. Dialogue. Really? Oh, yeah, Douglas Adams wrote a few of the old episodes, yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, allegedly, um, the Doctor Who universe and the, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy universe were apparently just one and the same thing. He was writing them. He envisaged that they were part of the same world. But you never really had, You had references to things, but you never had crossovers or anything like that. I could be wrong, but that's what I was told.
0: Wow. Well, there you go. There's, there's some new information for me. Well done. Um, some more questions from Twitter. Um, Twitter user Viral Agent wants to know what you think about... Digital preservation in inverted commas slash piracy in comics is it going to kill or save comics? And should comic publishers offer downloadable DRM-free digital copies? You're a you're a wide well, generation. What do you think know, about it all?
1: Well, I know a lot of them are starting to offer you know online content, downloadable content and stuff. I'm sort of I'm a unique perspective in a sense that I'm I kind of you know. When you have large multi-million dollar corporations protecting their copyrighted characters and things like Mickey Mouse and Superman, Spider-Man and stuff, and they're making millions and millions and billions off you know, their intellectual property or someone else's in some cases. And um, you know, so pir- you know, downloading their content or whatnot doesn't hurt them too much. I and mean, In fact, it's statistically, like in the, mo- in the movie and the music industry, apparently it's helped sales to some degree. But with my work, my work is often hard to get anyway. So, if some people can see my stuff online, download it for free, whatever, illegally, they're going to be exposed to me. And if they like it enough, I've actually known quite a few people who've then gone out and sought my books and and bought them because of that and have now, you know, now they follow some of my work. So, I actually win out of the whole piracy thing because it's kind of an alternate distribution channel to a degree because sometimes comics, small comics, are harder to get. So, I kind of gave up worrying about piracy a while ago for my work anyway. I figure it helps me, if if nothing else. I mean, I might lose some, but I also gain some. So I don't mind it too much. But, you know, I'm not a big guy, so, you you know, you are deliberately, not deliberately, but I directly am affected if my stuff is only pirated and people stop buying it rather than a multi-million dollar. Yeah, Metallica. I mean, they still make millions, even though they they hate piracy. Me, not so much. (laughs) But uh, I think it helps me.
0: I remember hearing Corey Doctorow speak down in Melbourne a couple of years ago, and he said that the biggest challenge to the career of any author isn't piracy; it's obscurity.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's sort of the the question I was grappling with, I guess, and that that's the that's the pro and the con. It's like, well, I might lose a bit of money, but I gain an audience, which will then follow hopefully my other work. And uh, well, Corey's much more intelligent about that stuff than me, but. Uh, I think I've actually worked with him. Well, I did a cover for one of his comic books that the publisher actually did. So, but yeah, no, I find his what he says very interesting.
0: And I had I had a uh, an American atheist rapper, Graydon Square, on the show a couple of weeks ago, and um, they have those. Oh my god, they have one. Um, you should check him out, man. He's he's, he's very good, very good. And um, he said the same thing. We were talking about piracy of his music, and he was like, you know what? If people can't afford it or whatever, or they can't get a CD, yeah, I I want them to download it, man. I'd rather people are hearing my stuff Mm -hmm. and know who I am and what I do than not. Mm -hmm.
1: It's interesting. I'm fully supportive of the the breaking of the patterns of the you know the old distribution, arcade distribution sort of networks of you know the 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 music industry who still think they can conduct business like it's the 1980s when you know they gave up, or they should have given up and fighting the future a long time ago but now they've only just started realising but yeah, no no it's complicated I mean various industries have various different aspects to it that you have to take into consideration but yeah, it's interesting but I'm not losing any sleep over my piracy these days so of piracy of my work so
0: um, Scott Rody says um, he wants me to pass on your email to him. apparently the two of you got pissed at Sydney Supernova last year
1: oh we did apparently oh I don't, rem- I don't remember most of those situations, which is possibly a good thing sometimes. And, uh, well, the police haven't caught up with me yet.
0: And he said something about, you know, you owe him alimony checks, you're the father of his unborn child. I, I don't know it was all confusing to me, but um, I thought you'd, you'd understand.
1: Um, that's, that's a worry, because I'm also a guy. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, that's why I was confused. Well, I'm
1: also on, I'm also on Twitter, so he's welcome to, to contact me and I'll give him my email address and we can fight about child support. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. Um, where, where to now? I mean, w- what are your aspirations in terms of your art? I mean, you've done this portraiture stuff. You've obviously done, you, you've worked with the best in the business, you know, with Warren Ellis. I have. And you're only 30. <laughs> like, is it all downhill from here now, man? Like, do you, you know, where do you go after you've worked with Warren Ellis? What, what's, what are the goals for Ben Templesmith at the moment?
1: I thought it would be downhill once I got a, a movie deal thing off my second comic book. But right, okay. But, yeah, you no, no. life, life treats me pretty good, so I can't complain. Um, I have no real ultimate ambitions anymore except to just tell good stories and maybe retire somewhere and just uh, do paintings for a while and maybe try my hand at doing a proper exhibition or something of some real art as opposed to the commercial art I currently do. But I think just telling stories is in my blood. I like the printed page and I like... I like comic books, so. But if I can translate those stories into other media, that'd be fine by me too. I'm very interested in uh, moving pictures and stuff like that, but but I don't get any time right now to um, to investigate such things. But yeah, all in good time. So I'm just very lucky and thankful that I'm where I am now. So.
0: And where are you based now? Where are you working
1: from? I'm currently in San Diego, California. But uh, i probably I'll probably um, won't be here for for. Well, I'll probably see out the year and then we don't know where we're going next. Possibly Canada, possibly Australia. Back home, maybe. But not to Perth. Possibly Melbourne. Somewhere like that.
0: Oh, excellent. Coming back to the homeland. That would be good for, the, for, for us, for the industry. Um, final question for you, mate, and I'll let you get back to your drawing. I, I read a very early interview with you um, from about Uh-oh. 2001. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, which...
1: Oh, not the Sydney Morning Herald, was it?
0: No, it was a, an online one, I think. Um,
1: that was my first experience with what was we termed spin, <laughs> and like, I swear I didn't say half of that, and not in the way they thought. But uh, that was an interesting. That was my introduction to press. So,
0: well, there was a so qu- sorry. There was a yeah. quote in this one, and you can you can refute it if you like, where you said that Stan Lee pisses you off and shouldn't be the spokesman for comics. Like, what the fuck? Oh, man? no, I that's,
1: still stand by that one. That's like dissing... I still stand by that one.
0: Paul McCartney, man. I mean, how can you diss Stan, Stan Lee? Wasn't he the Warren Ellis of the 60s?
1: Uh, maybe in the 60s. He can be <laughs> the spokesman for comics in the 60s. But uh, honestly, you need a modern face on comics. You need a, a guy that's not, not, not basically about hucksterism. And, I mean, Stan Lee is about Stan Lee, and that, there's no problem with that. But there's a lot more sort of... There's big comic guys who are very savvy and very... Press-friendly, very public-friendly, and who can really sort of articulate modern comics much, much better. I think. I mean, Todd McFarlane is is one of those guys. Jim Lee is another big, big guy. But there's a whole bunch, a whole bunch of other people that I think. I, would, I just wish the press, the, the mainstream media, would go to those guys for, for opinion on you know when there's a movie coming out with a comic book or something, rather than you know, Stan face because he created Spider-Man and stuff. Because I mean. I don't know. Stan's done a lot of other things since those things. He did a thing called Stripperella, and uh, other things that make me doubt his uh, (laughs) worthiness to to be involved in the comics now. But uh, no, he's got a big, proud history. But I don't know. I think I think we need some fresh blood, some new blood.
0: I mean, if if the if the press went to Warren Ellis for comment, you know, they 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 might not come back out. I mean, Stan. Everyone loves Stan, and he's he's like your grandfather. But Warren's scary, man.
1: Well, Warren has his niche in that regard. But uh, he's actually... Warren's very... I mean, they go to Warren about technological stuff these days. He branches out. But um, I don't know. Warren would be a very interesting choice. Uh, I'm not saying he'd be the perfect choice, but he would be a choice. But um, I don't know. I guess you need someone who's photogenic and can get out there in front of cameras. I think you'd have to actually take the cameras into the pub where Warren works to get an opinion of him. And it probably would be a relatively nasty opinion that he'd give but it'd be funny but it'd be good and, and nasty maybe uh, Ben probably te- not
0: maybe Ben Temple. sorry what? maybe Ben Templesmith could be the spokesperson for comics
1: I can give opinions but uh, they're probably not going to like a lot of them so but I'm not a superhero guy so I don't branch the medium that way so I probably wouldn't be the one but, uh, but I do wear suits to my public appearances which is more than a lot of comic book people do And who, your, you know just wear dirty shorts
0: and your Obama t-shirt now that you've found it again will be Barack I'll be burned.
1: Yes. I, yes. I do wear my Obama shirt. Yes. <laughs> we or lose. That was a good shirt.
0: Uh, oh, that was my other question about the president's book. Was did you do a uh, did you do a McCain one in case he won?
1: No, no, because uh, by the time the book was about ready to go to print, um, and I was just finishing it, we knew Obama had won. So he gets uh, he he's on the final page, but there's no no uh, facts on him cause he hasn't well, at the time of printing he hadn't done anything. So. So, no, I never in the thought of doing a, a McCain one because I didn't need to, because it, the timing was right. So,
0: very good. So, if people want to uh, get information about the president's book or Groom Lake or keep an eye on Fell uh, TempleSmith.com, mm-hmm.
1: TempleSmith.com would probably be the best place to go, and I have all my other stuff, like my Twitter account and stuff, from there. So. Yeah, people want to know anything. And, and if if they see me on Twitter, they're welcome to ask me any questions they like. And I, if I'm on, I happily respond. What so, How, do you,
0: how yeah. do you find Twitter as as a tool for communities? Obviously, you know, there's a lot of celebrities getting on Twitter these days. And we've seen Stephen mm-hmm. Fry with 100,000 followers. And I was having a chat with Demi Moore yesterday on Twitter, which was kind of uh, freaky. Uh, how Demi do you... Moore? Yeah, yeah. I was actually dissing her for <laughs> sending MC Hammer a shout-out. And I said, like, a bunch of eighty celebs giving love to each other on Twitter is the last thing that we need. And <clears throat> she, she told me to go watch the promo to a new film.
1: Um, uh, well, I, well, I'm at twitter.com slash smith basically.
0: So. And, and do you find it a, a good tool for communicating with your, your fans, your audience?
1: Oh, yeah, it's, it's great for networking. I've met many great fans and professionals that way too because uh, Twitter has a very lively comic book sort of community, both professional and, uh, and audience based on there. So I think we're one of the people that kind of kicked it off, really, made it popular in the first place. Now, and now everyone's on there, but, you know, so, no, it's, it's great, and it's really good to reach out to people, so I like it.
0: All right. Thanks for uh, chatting with us today, Ben Templesmith.
1: Oh, thank you very much for having me.
0: And if you want to check out Ben's art or uh, get copies of Groom Lake or The President's Book or find out where to get any of his other work, go to his website, templesmith.com. Templesmith, spelt as you would expect. And um, check out his blog. Lots of good stuff there. So thanks for listening. Don't forget, TPN needs your support. tpn.thepodcastnetwork.com slash pledge. And if you know of any... Uh, big corporations or government departments who need some social media produced drop me an email Cameron at the podcast network.com. tell me who to talk to and I'll go hit them up for some work don't forget guys you've only got one life it's up to us we need a grassroots media revolution so get out there and make yourself heard this is Cameron out